recurve buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. By the outdoors i'm your host chris leppert and tonight i am joined by my good buddy and fellow turkey slayer pierce moore how's it going dude pretty good awesome well glad to have you on here uh you're you're kind of out of a job for like a week or two right you, you got a yeah. little break in between yeah. very very well placed break uh for the kentucky turkey season huh yeah if i could find a a state to hit sometime late next week possibly that would be that would be ideal but i i don't know well, i'm sure my wife feels differently about that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah don't let bethany listen to this podcast uh, i don't i don't know that she's listening to outdoor podcast probably not she's too busy <laughs> building up that coffee shop out there that's right <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> so Today we wanted to do something, I guess, a little bit different. Um, maybe this has been done before, I don't know. I feel like turkeys don't get enough attention, and there's certain things that we talk about a lot amongst ourselves that get even less. So there's a lot of beginners or guys who just maybe can't get it figured out. They struggle. They really don't know where to start. And so, you know, rather than taking somebody by the hand and walking them out to the woods and showing them what call to make and where to look for the birds on the property they're hunting and and all that basically doing everything but pulling the trigger for them <clears throat> i figured we could do a pretty in-depth podcast that would give people pretty much all the tools they would need to get on birds and maybe seal the deal now i will say just like killing big deer, I'm a firm believer that turkey hunting is decision-making big time, especially when you get him in there, because you can, you can do everything right and screw it up really well, really easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and they don't, they're not like a deer. They don't stand around and look at you. They're gone. Um, once you screw it up, it, it's That pretty... head pops up over the... Oh. over the knob that you see the eyeballs and then boom gone oh my god that's <laughs> stressful to even think about and i know it's listening to everybody who seems to know what they're talking about that's the way to do it rather than to you know sit at the top of the hill and be able to look down into the the valley or whatever right. see him coming from downhill i can't tell you how many times i did that years ago and now i'm like man if you want one close that's the way to do it, you know, get an obstacle. You gotta get have that little military crest that they yep. just have to But man, you had better Yeah you'd, you'd better <laughs> have something that gets his interest or you'd better be pointed in the right direction and ready to shoot. Because right. if you're especially if you're on public land where they're pressured, there's a good chance that he's gonna gobble and come in quiet and then Surprise. Pop his head up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you're looking like you heard heard him gobble at eleven o'clock, you know, just to your left, and you're pointed 
with your gun over there, and then all of a sudden, 12 yards to your, you know, dead right, he pops up, you know, at 3 o'clock or something, or 2 o'clock or whatever, and you're like, oh, crap, and he doesn't see a hand, or what's more than likely is he sees you, and he just puts his head back down, and unless you pull a Chris and stand up really fast and chase after him shooting, (laughs) doing some Simon Kenton shit, um, you're probably not going to get him. So we figured that we would try to help some people out. Uh, by no means are we any kind of professional turkey hunters or anything. Just really love it. And it's really cool to see even one person in our group, um, super interested in being successful. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And, you know, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to uh, write us at um, fueledbytheoutdoors at gmail.com and we will try to answer any questions you have on the podcast, probably drop your name or something. So anyways, um, we're going to start off with some scouting tactics, techniques. Uh, So Pierce, give us an idea of what you're looking for when you're e-scouting. We'll start off with e-scouting. That's what we all do, especially if you're planning an out-of-state hunt or a place in a big area that's probably going to be a bit of a drive for you. So what are you looking for when you're e-scouting for turkeys? Honestly, if I'm planning on going opening day versus two or three weeks in, it's it's different. But op- like opening day, I'm looking for the obvious stuff. Obvious fields where the birds are going to be out doing their thing before the pressure comes. Okay. So if I can find some big hillsides that dump into open fields and where you know there's bir- there's going to be birds out there strutting and doing their thing before the pressure comes. If I can get into those spots the first week of season or well opening day into the second day cuz Honestly, after that, if you've got guys setting up decoys and stuff on those field edges, it's going to be shot pretty quick. Yep. But if you can dive into those obvious spots first and try to get those birds before they get knocked off of their routine, I think that's pretty much money. Okay. Finding those hill, those perfect little benches just off the top of the hill and those perfect little strut zones. Oh, yeah. Talked about, uh, you know, we watched, I think a lot of us watched the video from the Southern Outdoorsmen about the secondary ridge points, those gobblers getting out on there and then just screaming down into the valley. And it, you know, you see it. And when you see a video explaining it, you're like, damn. <laughs> right. That makes sense. That's right. That's solid. Uh, what else are you looking for? Are you looking at edge or anything like that? Right. Looking for thick? Different transition lines where you know those hens are going to be in that thicker stuff nesting. and uh, Those are really good places to set up and catch a bird mid-morning. So describe thicker stuff. Uh, cedar, cedar thickets, uh, overgrown CRP. Just really good nesting clear cuts habitat. Okay. So terrain features you're looking for, you know, 
pretty large hillsides that dump into a, you know, an open field, ag field, yep. meadow, something like that. We're looking for transition lines between like the more open and the, the thick area, which that makes sense because, you know, as you said, the hens, when you kind of understand that the hens are nesting in the thick stuff and the gobblers know where they're nesting, they go out there and strut and gobble. Right. Hen comes off the nest, comes out, feeds, mates, you know, goes, lays an egg, sits on the nest. It's kind of a pretty... Those gobblers hit that downwind side of that bedding area. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sit the downwind side. And you got to really, you got to hunt an offwind with a gobbler. We're kidding, guys. Yep. For those that don't know, we're so, joking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw an opportunity. And I, we're deer I hunting right now. But uh, so when you're scouting, take us, dive into a little bit of that on what you're doing. Um, and I know, you know, out-of-state hunts are completely different. So we'll just stick with your in-state home turf because most beginners that are trying to figure out how to kill a turkey are not trying to go out-of-state to kill. So we'll right. just stick with we'll stick with the very basic stuff. So what are you trying to do to find birds? You've e-scouted. Now what are you going to do? I'm driving out to different spots first thing in the morning before season comes in and I'm listening. Okay. Um, do you feel like there's maybe a magical time slot that you need to hit? You know, like, for example, if we drive out there the beginning of April versus three days before season, uh, things maybe be shifting a little bit or right. something. Yeah, certain fields get a little bit taller than what they were two weeks prior and they're no longer using that field to strut around in so you've kind of got to you've got to be on it I mean my favorite thing to do is to try to go in the night before and roost them yeah so you know you've got an exact point but if you can get an overall general idea those turkeys aren't going to be miles away and even if they are we we don't have any problem and uh, putting those miles on our boots to, <laughs> we'll walk. To put this into perspective for people that don't know, and I'm, I'm going to do my best here. I'm not like the best podcaster in the world, so I'm trying. I want to make sure that we just spell every single thing out. So Pierce just mentioned birds no longer using fields because the weeds, grasses, whatever's in them gets a little taller. Now, you might go out there at 11, noon, 1, and see a bird in that field as you're walking through it or something. But first thing in the morning, in my opinion, the first thing that turkey wants to do is fly down and strut and kind of warm up and dry off from the dew. And the last thing they want to do is fly into a tall grassy field where they're literally, and we've all walked through one yeah. going after birds. You're freaking soaked. <laughs> right. So they don't want to do that. It hinders their ability to evade predators and, you know, they're really a very, uh, what's the, the right word? They're very lazy, very particular. They don't want to be wet. They don't want to, you know, they're not, right. they like sunny days and uh, all that. So um, if you, now one thing I will add that I found very interesting, I was hunting with my father-in-law in 2015. We had um, Pierce's favorite word ever, favorite phrase, target bird. We had this bird that we wanted to kill. 
We didn't know how big it was, though. But we knew that he he just seemed to be like the guy. He'd come out screaming. He didn't care. He was always coming out like a boss Tom. So we watched him pitch down off the roost, and there was this giant field with a bunch of like goldenrod and all this stuff that had grown up. Farmers hadn't sprayed it yet, but there was one spot, and I don't know if somebody was trying to grow weed or what. I have no idea why this was a thing, but they had tilled, like we're talking about like a field that's probably 200 acres, like it's a big field. There's like an acre, maybe, along the wood line that had been tilled up and like disked. Some kind of erosion method. I don't Something. Weird. I don't know what it was, but it had been tilled up and disked over, and it was a tiny area. I don't know if it was like a let's test our equipment or what, because it was in the middle. It wasn't near the edge. Oh. So hmm. I, I, I still to this day can't figure it out. But a turkey pitched down, and he went right to that spot and would not leave that fresh plowed up, tilled dirt, uh, disked, disked you up might fine have been dirt. Somebody else's spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if that was literally a tactic of somebody, but they're a shitty hunter because they weren't there opening day. I can tell you yeah. that. And my father-in-law killed that bird. That's a pretty good. That, that wouldn't be a bad tactic. So if you're hunting farmland birds to all oh, dude to do that, let it all grow up and then just till a spot, and it's like, man, now I've got his favorite spot, and it. It was the gospel of the Lord. Like that bird would pitch down close to that spot, walk right into it, and just strut his ass off in that little spot. And I saw, I don't know if you've ever watched Deer Meat for Dinner. It's a dude in Florida, I'm pretty sure. And he, I mean, he has like over 3 million subscribers. Here I am shouting at a dude with 3 mil subscribers. So he has a huge farm and he would literally rototill rows in his fields and then dump sand on them or like roto you know get them sandy mm -hmm. basically i think there's sand in the soil um i don't know that he had to add any but uh regardless you'd have like strips of weeds so there's food and then you know to hold the bugs and everything and then turkey just stays high and dry right along the mm -hmm. sand and Again, bird came out, strutted right down the road to him, and I'm like, okay, that's I've, a thing. I've seen him strut right down tractor path, like paths in the yeah. actual field where they were out at like 70, 80 yards, and you're like, which, I mean, it, the, these were uh, pre-TSS times, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they would, they'd strut down those little roadways where the, or where the tractor went just went through the field and matted matted the grass that little bit of grass matted that little bit of grass down yeah just little it's, itty bitty tiny intricate details like that yeah if you it, can figure it out before yep <laughs> before you're actually out there it's and set up accordingly i mean it makes make a difference in your whole morning absolutely and i think <clears throat> i also think you know that's your farmland terrain setup, it's no different than a logging road out in the hills or a bench or something. Like, right. 
you've got, you know, especially a logging road, a four-wheeler path. It's been beat down. There's going to be less vegetation, but they, if they want, you know, to pick for bugs or whatever, they're they're right there, right. right off the path. So they can stay dry, be seen, and, you know, I think most importantly, see and kind of creep along. They don't they don't hinder their own senses by making noise and motions in there with leaves as much as they would, you know, in the, the leaf litter. And then, um, you know, they can hear way better and everything, see way better. So right. um, just a little tidbit I wanted to kind of dive into because there's, there's a few things about turkeys that I think really elevate your game. And I think knowing, you know, like Pierce talked about, if you know that hens are going to nest in thick stuff and that could be a, you know, a cutover, clear cut, uh, thick cedar thicket, anything that's thick where a hen can hide and, and really be tough to get to for a coon, possum, um, bobcat, coyote. Um, so if you know that and you know that the gobbler wants to hit the edges of that and strut and gobble so those hens can just come right out, you know, he's, he's making it convenient for them because the name of the game is for the gobbler to call the hen to him. Right. And so if he makes it convenient, which is why we're able to call in birds, you know, if he makes it convenient and meets him halfway, well, you know, when you know that, you know a good place to go look for turkeys. So then, same thing. You get into the, the tall grasses and stuff, you might find hens nesting there. But you're not going to see a gobbler normally choose to go into that at 8 a.m. when right. he would literally look like you threw him in the river. So, um, so moving on. Um, where were we exactly? I kind of lost, um, when I kind of interrupted you there. So roosting birds. Yeah, we were, we were basically scouting. So you were, you were saying that. Oh yeah, that's right. You you wanted to drive around and we were talking about the difference between opening day and then, you know, once the pressure hits. So you're looking at the obvious spots where birds can be seen strutting. You can see them either from the road, but I, I think we'd probably agree that. The birds strutting from the road can be killed, but every single human being is going to go after those birds. Oh, yeah. If you can find a secluded field where somebody's got to walk, you're probably giving yourself a little better chance. Right. Um, so I'll let you continue now. What else are you looking for when you're scouting? Um, I really like an area that has some high banks with a creek or something running through it. For whatever reason, it's like a geographical location where you're more than likely going to find birds. High creek banks? Yeah. Really? Roosted on those. Oh, oh okay. Roosted okay. on those yeah. high creek banks. Yeah. It's just seems like over the years you could always count on yeah. birds being there. Water, maybe? I guess. I mean, vegetate. I, I don't know if it's increased vegetation just happenstance or whatever but i also feel like when you have it's going to be a weird thing to try to describe it seems like i see a lot of birds try to get high on terrain and pitch up into trees rather or pitch down down into trees um rather than just flying up a dam straight up and yeah, I, they're dropping more so just dropping into 
yeah. entry, like on yeah. that top third. Yep. So maybe that's partially a reason why, perhaps. Um, that's pretty interesting. So you found your birds you want to hunt. Now what are you going to do? The night before season, I'm going out and I'm going to try to get them to shock gobble by hooting at them. All right. Now why? What is the purpose of roosting a bird? I want to get that turkey's exact location so I can find a good vantage point to set up somewhere somewhere close to that turkey's bubble but not not always in it. Like I'm not okay. I'm not going in right underneath his tree like one morning me and Chris <laughs> we ended up we we heard there was two separate gobblers and we the one would sound off and we'd think we were further away and then all of a sudden we one sounded off right on top of us and it if you're right underneath them you you can't call you can't do any tree you're not doing any tree calls because they know that hen's not there right so you want to you want to you want to back off of that turkey enough to where you can really do your fly downs and get away with smacking your hat on your arm and not being seen doing so. Yep. In my opinion. But I'm going to try to find some kind of vantage point based off of where that turkey's at to set up and pitch my calls over the next little little rise or some just certain little details that I can use to my advantage to bring that turkey in to investigate where I'm at. I like it. I've, I lived that. I, that, was, that was a crazy hunt. We roosted those birds the night before. This is, that was the third week of the season. Yeah, that was. Our we favorite were pretty, week. <laughs> yeah, we were, pretty, we were pretty deep in the season on that. Um, we roosted those birds, and as Pierce said, they kind of threw us off a little bit. And uh, one sounded off, and he's, what do you think that bird was, 75 yards, maybe? Yeah. He, Somewhere around there? We were, we were close. I think we were closer than what, what we really thought we were going to be Yeah, where we were at. But. And we were kind of, I won't say at the bottom of a hill. We'll say like a half to two-thirds of the way up right, the hill. Right, And if you could just get, you know, another... 20 30 yards or something right you're you're better but you know that's that's for me pierce was calling for me so pierce dropped back um if i could have got up there but i just didn't feel comfortable with it because i could see that bird and i know if i can see that bird he can see me plain as freaking day he saw you yeah a lot (laughs) he can see me a lot better so i once once it got light and i could see him and, you know, see the terrain and everything, I said, as much as I'd love to go up there, I'd much rather at least see the bird. And, and what was pretty crazy is we ended up having both of them come in together. Right. And then they were... Yeah, they met up and they converged in that little bottom and then yep. boom, here they here yep. they came. They ran in and it was very weird because they, they literally, it was like they chose to meet up. Right. It was very weird to me, and but they did. That that other bird gobbled, the other one would gobble at them, and then they met up, and it was 
immediate. Once they once you could hear that they were together, boom, here they came. Yep. It was I don't know if they're like they just feel more comfortable together or if they're into weird shit or what. Right. I mean a lot of times when you have two, it's almost like they're racing. Yeah. Racing in. And I don't know if they were just had their own little conversation going with each other. Right. They're responding to me if the one like ran down there to like maybe cut the other one off and then they ended, right. both ended up coming. I don't I don't know exactly how Yeah, it's really it, it, I mean it it was definitely it was it was different than a lot of turkey hunts that I've been on before. I mean, as far as having two of them come in from different different locations and not being roosted together. Dude, that other bird was significantly farther away oh yeah he was he was a good piece and then all of a sudden he just start he, he started getting closer and getting yeah. closer and getting closer and then i was like it's like i think those birds are like you you could tell when they got together and yeah and it was very interesting you know it almost seems like maybe the closer bird maybe was like the subdominant one and afraid to come in maybe or yeah. something like why would you wait you got a girl ready Right. And why are you, what are you waiting on? Right. I don't want to get my ass beat. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Possibility. There's, there's a lot of things. So, we roost the birds. You know, you want to roost the bird. Like Pierce said, gives you a, uh, the ability to put a waypoint on, you know, whatever app you use. Um, and be able to go make a game plan at home. You know, you, you probably, I hope that you've scouted and walked the place you're at enough to kind of know the terrain a little bit and know what's going on. But regardless, you can go home, get on your app. We use Spartan Forge. Um, I think Pierce, Pierce has had a, well, we won't, I won't say, I won't say. Do you want to talk about your, your 14 year subscription? Oh, Don X. <laughs> oh God. We'll leave that out. Yeah. Every, I, don't, I don't know you if Don X would appreciate, would you appreciate You can't give that. everything away for yep. free. <laughs> So, but, um, anyway, we've used all kinds of apps, whatever app you want to use. Cool. Um, we use Spartan Forge a lot. Uh, they, they support us, uh, our expo. So, but you can put a waypoint on your app and sit there and study it, figure out an access plan and, you know, really, really where you want to set up and then an access plan so that you can go in there and, and get in there pretty uh, efficiently, quietly, whatever. And I, I'll say, it seems like if you can roost a bird and get in there early, if you know where he is, you can go in there stupid early. And I've actually gotten away with a lot of crazy stuff really early, deer season or turkey season, and birds don't spook. And then all of a sudden, here they are at you know first light or whatever, they start gobbling. So um, that's something... You know, if you have the luxury of getting a bird to gobble on the roost the evening before, which, you know, what do you think about the last half hour, 45 minutes yeah, of light? I mean, it can be hit It can be hit or miss, though, sometimes, too. I mean, I've went out before and tried to get them to gobble the night before and then didn't hear a gobble. Yep. Went out the next day anyways, and 10 birds end up in, 10, 10 strutters end up in the field, and it's like, what? Well, how did how how did they not like not a single one? 
yeah. sounded off the night before. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're they're a finicky animal. They really I'm are. Just, and that's what makes it fun yep. to hunt them. That's what makes it stressful and gets you pissed off. But at the same rate, man, when they come in, and I think there's just something too. It's almost like when you get a big buck fired up and he comes in with his hair standing up, aggressive. Right. You get that almost every time. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that every time a turkey comes in, he's ready to kick the shit out of anything that stands in his way. Because birds, there's like no mercy with a bird. Right. <laughs> they, they're vicious. They're they rough. Damn dinosaurs. So... We get birds roosted, we get an access plan. We know where we want to set up. We know, you know, how we want to access our setup. Now, let's talk about, before we, before we dive in to the routine, let's talk about what you're going to do, let's say, second week of the season. Let's say a week of pressure yeah, a week, has hit. Yeah, a week of pressure. I'm... I'm going to be pretty light calling pretty sparingly. I'm okay. not going to be I'm not going to be super aggressive. I mean, I'm I'm fairly confident in my calling ability and but there's also a fine line of overcalling versus not calling enough. Sure. I mean, you you've got to keep them excited, but you don't want to sound like the five other guys that have been on that WMA or wherever you're hunting the, sure. the week beforehand too. Now, how are you finding birds once the pressure hits? Where once, are you looking then? Oh, uh, once, once that, pre- I got you. I'm kind of pushing, pushing a little bit further back. Okay. Pushing a little bit further back and maybe those areas that just weren't, getting hit before yeah so a little bit further so you're gonna you're gonna need to have turkey legs yeah to, to go you better basically. you better be ready to walk because <laughs> you might be walking i don't it's i don't know how many miles we put on last year uh as far as the day i killed my bird yeah i think it was seven and a half seven and a half yeah which is um Pretty soft, but I I've been down to that same WMA before, and good God, by the end of the weekend you're sitting at like twenty. Oh yeah. Ish, and you're like, oh yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. Turkey season's weird because, well, just like me and you did, you you strike a gobble, and then you set up, things don't work out. Then you strike another one, you set up, things don't work out. And then when you get to number three. Or what, and it doesn't work like that every time for those listening. Like, we don't just find turkeys everywhere, right? Things go wrong. Sometimes you don't hear them or whatever. So, um, before you know it, you look down, you're like, oh, we've been walking for hours and we're like four and a half miles in. Yeah, we've walked four and a half miles. So, we at least have to go like two and a half, three and a half, something like that. To get back to in our a, truck. Yeah, in a straight line. Um, yeah, in a straight line. So if we go back, which generally we're walking benches or ridge tops or, you know, uh, old logging roads or something. So you're going to go the way you came or make a big loop or something. So if you've walked for four miles and 
that four miles has led you farther and farther from the truck, you're going to come back that much. So, But I would encourage people, if you're not used to walking that far, sometimes your feet can hurt, sometimes your legs can get, you know, little little sore or whatever. Uh, if you're not used to walking that much, I would suggest making sure you bring plenty of water, uh, bring a little food with you, some snacks, maybe some trail mix, jerky, Slim Jims, whatever. Um, and then another thing that I think people should take is a little tube of Aquaphor in case you chafe or something or you get like a, a hot spot um, on the ball of your foot or your heel. But uh, make sure you got proper footwear too. Boots. Uh, boots. Jesus, I just said that. Boots. You gotta get your boots. Um, so just be prepared. You know, dress for success, I guess I'd say. Um, you know, don't take too much shit out there if you're looking to do, you know, five to ten miles on public land. Decoys probably aren't going to be your thing. And if they are, maybe just take a hen. You know, don't don't right. be lugging like a damn flock with you because that's going to be hell on earth um i think i did that that day you i you luke and i oh, hunted yeah i had the decoys on my back and i'm like man this shit sucks it, you only do that for about a, a year or two yeah before you finally go i carry these things around i towed them around for miles and i don't even use them yep because it all happens so quick. It does. That you don't get them out. Yep. And it's, and it's it, like... Most of the time you don't have the opportunity to get right. them out. Either A, things are happening quick like you said, or you, if you go too far up, you're, you know, you're really already pushing the envelope. You go slapping decoys out, and then all of a sudden you're like, you've got a stake in your hand with a hand on it or something. And there he is, right. <laughs> 60 um, yards, like, yeah. oh, hey, dipshit. I've had him, I've had him at 15, I've had him at 15 yards before, and you're trying, trying to run a stake in the ground, and you're like, did you fly across that gully? Because I thought, I surely, Was that last year? Yeah. yeah. I surely thought you guys, I, I surely thought that these birds were going to go around the bowl of this big ravine. Nope. They said, we're going they flew it this was after flying the creek they flew probably 50 yards across the creek and then i was like i was like oh crap they just flew the creek let's get the decoys set up get the decoy i'm i'm grabbing the decoys i'm getting getting grand how far are they when they fly the creek uh, probably 150 maybe 100 150 and Get Grant set up back on the tree, get the decoys out, and I run up there to like 15, 20 yards away from where he's set up, and I'm staking in the decoys, and all of a sudden I I just I catch a glimpse of something red, and I'm like, oh my god, there they are. And I'm I just I tucked up right against that DS that DSD Jake, and I'm like I started calling loud just to get them to gobble to let yeah. grant know that they're right here yeah and i'm also like i want him to know that they're there but i'm also like i've been hunting enough with him that he knows don't shoot right. <laughs> don't Please shoot don't they're me. right they're right in line with me so i start calling and boom they gobbled and i look back at him and i saw him 
I saw it head perk up, and I was like, okay, <laughs> he knows he knows they're right there. And he waited until they cleared the decoys to start blasting. But... <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Grant. We love you, Grant. Oh, shoot. That's awesome. So, <laughs> I remember that story. Oh, now. man. It, it's it's always... I mean, it's it's the fun little things like that. that oh, yeah. makes makes the whole turkey season. I may or may not have screwed up a few times when I've hunted with Pierce, but we won't talk about them as much. Uh, no, we when you call those two birds in, I was scared to death to just pop shot them. They were pretty close, but they were also close together, and I didn't want to kill them both. I had, well, yeah, we still had um, two tags, but I had filled one. Right. And I was like, man... Which I really you, don't want to kill two birds. Yeah. And then, you know, we've got a smaller turkey population. I'm like, I'll wait. And then, of course, they, you know, I make this decision. And they spot me and spook and give me zero opportunity to shoot. And I couldn't believe it. And then I'm like, he just called those two gobblers perfectly right off the roost to me. Like, we should be done. And here we are. And now, now, even though we take pride in it, now we're going to walk. <laughs> right. And we walked till what we do like chase that we chase those two birds uh, which I feel like that's the way it goes every time when you have a like missed op- missed opportunity like that you chase them for like the next hour. Oh yeah. And then eventually they go completely cold. Like you chase them until they go completely cold yeah. until they quit gobbling altogether, which I remember that exact instance because we were like, oh my God, they're fired they're up again. Gobbling. They're coming. Yeah, they're still gobbling. Yeah. He's coming. And then they just go dead silent and you're like... Right. Or they're gobbling going away from you. Yeah. Ugh. At that point, I think you're almost better off just... To leave and go find another bird? Yeah. Either leave and go find another bird or make a big loop and try to head them off. Try to figure out where are they going. Yeah. And... Which, where we were, man. I never you, know. No. No, it's like, so random. Like yeah. it, it's, it's like, what? where are they going? Like, why are they even at where they're at right now? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this is the dumbest looking place. Like, why are you here right now? How right. are we striking birds here? We're in like a like a really cedary area with, with like a bunch of low brush and stuff. And I'm thinking the hell are they doing here right so i don't know so rabbit hole again guys sorry uh when the pressure comes don't be afraid to walk push into you know basically that's when you kind of want to get into the mentality that i think a lot of people have um they want to kind of go far away from the roads and everything and a lot of times when you push away from where the pressure is going to be you, you got a pretty good opportunity of finding birds, basically. Especially when you align that with certain terrain features and stuff that we mentioned earlier. Yep. So now, before we dive in, we got one more thing I want to hit. I keep thinking of stuff, and I think it's, to me, it's juicy, but that's because we talk about this stuff all the time. So when you, and feel free to cut me off, disagree, agree, whatever you want to do here. Um, when you're looking at a turkey season that's, say, four weeks, like Ohio's four weeks, 
Uh, I want to say Kentucky is as well. Is that right? I feel like it's a week shorter. A week shorter? I think I they're three? Feel, I feel like it is. Okay. I feel like you know, I think you might be right. I think you have four weekends, three weeks to get it done. But regardless, we'll, we'll use Ohio as a very good uh, representative. So week one in Ohio, you got all these birds. And to me, it seems like you see the same thing on the internet all the time. The turkey rut happened a month ago. They bring the season in way too late. Blah, 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 They're blah, blah. Up. Their hand up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, well, which are they? Are yeah. they done or are they hand up? Right. It's like, they can't be both they at the same time. Can't be both <laughs> ever. That's not possible. So, I feel like you're at the very, you know, you're getting towards the end of that, what, what uh, I guess we'd describe it as like a peak breeding, you know, in that first week. Would right. you agree? Right. Where they do have a lot of hens. They don't have to talk as much because the hens are coming off the nest. They're not sitting the nest as much and they're doing a lot more breeding. So it's, you know, a turkey will talk and you might have a five minute window, 10 minute window to get him before a hen's on his ass. Right. And she's got him. And you'll, it's tough to beat a live hen, man. I'm not going to say you can't. <laughs> I've kind of seen it. <laughs> I've lived it. But it's pretty rare. So just understand that even though that first week is great for like a, like a pattern, especially if you have private land, um, it's not necessarily the most fun week, the best week. Because if you, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I know Jacob Emery is a damn stone-cold turkey murderer. And he went down and got his ass whipped in Mississippi. Um you talked about how tough it was in Tennessee last year. Now, you guys did great. Wide open. But it's still very, you know, it's very difficult to go out there. There's a few factors that you have to take into consideration. A, what we just mentioned. They're still kind of in the peak of their breeding, so oh, they don't absolutely. have to gobble as much. A lot of hens are still getting bred. And you have no green to work with in a lot of those states. They can see for forever. And so getting in on them is tough. Calling them without spooking them and them seeing you move. all You've got all those things stacked up against you. Now what's funny is, and I learned this by hunting with Pierce. We, we went on public land in the third week. I thought, yeah, if we hear a bird today, I'll be excited. Like that. We're on public land. We're probably going to get shot. We had the place to ourselves. We went on like a Tuesday or Wednesday in the middle of the third week. And we got on birds all day. Um, and they gobbled great. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, that first week of November and the you know third and fourth week of November where the mm-hmm. big bucks are moving last few days of October. You know, they can't stand it, but they can't breed. So they're, they're moving and they're looking, they're out looking. Same thing with gobblers. You're going to hear a lot more talking, in my opinion. You know, as long as they haven't been beat to hell. Here in Ohio, most people are crying and, you know, their mommies are consoling them as they tell them that they're a great turkey hunter still, you know, and it's not their fault. When in reality, 
you just needed to stick it out another week. Once you get to the end of the second week, gobbling picks up. And it seems to be across the board, paying attention to all these guys across the country. Some find success the opening weekend, opening week, whatever. But you get into that second, third week, birds are talking, and you start seeing the Internet coming to life with birds being called in left and right. So I think that's something to note that everybody should know going into it. The first week, the opening weekend, all that, I'll do it every time. But there's different things to be expected, I think. Right. So anything you want to add to that at all? Nope, you did okay. it on the head pretty good. All righty. Well, thank you. Okay, so now we're going to go through Pierce's morning routine. Like, let's say we've got some gobblers roosted the night before or we've struck some early on and we were able to get set up. So I'm going to let him kind of take the lead here and, and do the majority of the talking. I'm going to shut up because I read these notes and they're they're pretty stellar. So basically, we've got a gobbler roosted, and we want to get in a good vantage point to really paint the perfect picture for that morning. And I'm not getting super. I'm not getting super close to this bird. I'm typically going to be anywhere from 150, that 100 to 150 range from that bird on the limb and I'm going to try to make make the calling sound as real as possible like I'm an actual hen and I'm not I'm just I'm going to start off with some soft wake up bubble clucks and it's just I'm going to transition into some soft tree yelps trying to make it sound real and I learned this a long long time ago I went with a a caller that I really look up to uh Paul Vachelle I went with him one morning and I'm like man why isn't this guy hitting these birds like why isn't he calling these birds and he's he's calling real real light just real real sparingly and I'm like and it was it was later in the season too it was like second third week and I'm like come on like all I hear about, all I hear my buddy Tyler talk about is how good this guy is. Like, why, why is he not, why is he not just tearing into the, like, why is he not tearing into these birds? I want to hear him, I want to hear him gobble. And he's, he's doing like these real just light, light tree, tree yelps and bubble clucks. And I'm like, I don't even know that they can hear, I don't even know that they can hear him. And the bird, they were, they were gobbling, but then right as it, Really, like, right at that perfect time, all of a sudden he does this fly-down cackle that it was just... A pop, 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 pop. 
And I was like, oh gosh, there it is. Like now he like now he got like he really he got excited there, and then the birds they just freaking. And I'm like, oh god, like it, it <laughs> like it, everything just came to life all at once. And here they like pitched out of the pitched out of the trees, and here they're coming across the field. I mean, they're fired up. <laughs> and I'm like, that's all that dude. Did. That's all he did was, and it 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 worked so well because it was real. I mean, right? It, it was that was it. Like, and that's where I, I mean, fireworks went off in my head. I'm like. Oh my gosh! Like, so then I start listening to the real thing, and I'm start I'm listening to these different scenarios and wake ups, and I'm like, well, that's it. Like, I here I like before that I I was going out in the mornings and I I was making stuff gobble. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wanted to hear them gobble, and I was I was making them gobble. Yeah, I, I wasn't getting them to gobble. I was making them gobble. Gobble at me! It's like, I, I mean, just that la- loud, obnoxious, and it's like, that's a, like a multiple fly down. Like, it, it, like, after you really figure out the turkey language, it's like, I was, it sounded like I was doing multiple fly downs there, like, and all it was it was excited cutting, but they were and they were gobbling at it. So kind of like a shot gobble, maybe? kind of like a shot okay. gobble. Like you're making birds gobble. Right. It's a shot gobble, is what it. I mean, essentially, that's what it is. You're not. You're not getting them. You're not getting a natural response at that point. That's really um, hitting home, honestly. I I'm sitting here thinking about times where I've kind of lost my patience where I'm like, okay, is he still here? Or is he still into me or what? And so I'll crack one out and right. It's kind of like what I do with my hoot out. <laughs> like you, you're, you push the envelope. Yes. Yeah. You're pushing the envelope. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was probably the biggest eye opener and, and listening to the realism and stuff is like, it's like I, like I'm not even close to where I, like at that time I'm like looking at the situation and I'm like, I'm not even close to where I sh- should be as far as calling goes. Like it, it's just not, it's not as real as what it could, could be. And then that that's when I really started diving into listening to live hens. You listen to the real thing and. You try to get as close as you can to it, but I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, I can't say it's impossible, but it's next to impossible to sound like the real thing. She's a hen is just so, so their their notes and stuff, the off key stuff, it, it never sounds the same. Like she never says the same thing. Over and over and over and over and over again. It's you're getting different little busted up notes, little single yelps, double yelps, triple yelps, and instead of that, like you're not. It's just it's 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 amazing. It's it's very interesting to have paid more attention to hens since we started hunting together. There's things that I would never hear. They're happening, and you, 
I mean, it's not like you don't know they're happening, but it's it's a detail that you're not paying attention to. One of the things that I noticed you did, and it's funny, you mentioned your hunt with Paul when me, you, and Luke went, and you were starting off with those bubble clucks, and I was like, that sounds cool, but who the hell's going to hear that shit? Like, <laughs> like, is there a turkey in the tree above you? Because can we get some shit fired up here, <laughs> right. I'm ready to kill a bird. Right. And so it's funny because I, I paid attention. Now, we didn't have the same experience, you know, and I really... I didn't get to pay attention much to your calling sequence when I killed my bird that day. But it it's interesting that you bring up that it's difficult to sound like a hen. And I, I've tried to explain this to a couple of guys. Even a, a, a you know, in my opinion, I think a, a rougher sounding turkey caller that can move behind the shooter scratching the leaves and pitch calls oh, yeah. and, like that's it's that extra added realism i think that's something that makes it difficult and the further you are away from that turkey yeah the more likely it is from where he's at that he's not going to pick up on the the stuff that doesn't sound as real right right like, it as a beginner you're almost better off to get that turkey fired up from a distance away and then completely shut up. Yeah. Because oh. he's got your location pinned. Like, he's got your location pinned once he really gets going. And if, listen, if you're a person who hasn't turkey hunted, or you haven't much, and you haven't had a call in yet, let us help you understand that if you're like 400 yards from that bird, and he's responding to you, a thousand percent, he can come to the exact tree you're at. Oh, absolutely. Like, right away. Uh, you won't believe it until it happens, and then you're going to be like, wow, that happened. <laughs> how did he How did he come that close to me? So right. just know that you can do that. Um, and, you know, kind of dive in a little bit more into what you said about, um, you know, making it, you know, hens being tough to sound like. And, and paying attention to them, I've watched those little wenches as they walk. I mean, what range does their head turn while they're... I mean, they're literally... They're pointed at 4 o'clock and then 2 and 12 and 10 and 9 as they're pitching these yelps. And, to, you know, a lot of times what right. happens is, is Pierce will fire a hen up. If we start calling and a hen response it's an immediate shit talking contest and oftentimes she'll come in and we'll get footage of her and a lot of them will come in super close and you can see which way their head's turning and i mean when you think about a hen pointing her head up or down and then off to the side and behind her a little bit or the other way straight out whatever and then you know as a turkey walks anybody that's seen a turkey they never go in a straight line they're always pointing every which way, so right. which explains why a gobbler can sound stupid far, and then all of a sudden he's on top of you, and you're like, wait, he could have just been turned the other way, gobbling into right. a, a ravine. So um, something to think about. So continue on. All right. So that realism is, I mean, that's that's key, and it's, 
as real as you can get without over calling. You yeah. don't you don't want to over call. I mean, if you were to go out in the woods, you're not going to hear a hen call even remotely close to the amount that I'm going to call knowing knowingly going into the situation, let alone not knowing anything about turkey hunting going into the situation and going well, I watched the calling contest. I, 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 see what, I saw what they do on there. That, that's what I'm going to do. Yep. Which, I mean, it, you might catch them on the right morning where, by God, that's, that, that might be the ticket that morning. Yeah. But uh, essentially, I'm, I'm breaking down the whole scenario from the time they wake up. And I'm trying, I'm trying to pick out because sometimes you can pick out those hens on different hillsides or whatever and and sometimes that tom picks out a specific hen that he really kind of takes a liking to and you can tell he's responding to her more so than he is any other hens or you and sometimes i'll try to i'll try to pick out something in my vest or my pocket that is going to match or mimic her. Okay. After he like after he's after he flies down or whatever, but before that I like to I like to do my fly down cackle right before I feel like he's getting ready to pitch off the limb to kind of entice him to pitch off more so in my direction than he is any other direction. I'll try to ramp that up to where that hens getting excited like she's getting excited on that limb she's starting to sway back and forth and then (laughs) dives basically dive bombs off is gonna dive bomb off the limb which i mean a lot of times during season two i'll just i'll just simply do my i'll I'll beat my hat on my on my arm and not not even do a fly down i'll just do like wing beats okay sometimes i'll do like two or three wing beats like because you're not just you sometimes you don't want to just represent one hen you want to represent like three or four and he hears this hen she flies down doesn't do a fly down cackle this hen she might fly down and do like a four or five note fly down cackle and you might get (laughs) one hen that she she does she does the whole meat and potatoes just which that's what everyone wants to hear, but it's not the actual, like, not every hen is hopping off the limb and doing a fly down cackle. The juice of the podcast right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's good stuff. But I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the full. Oh, of the, course. The full one. The full, <laughs> my favorite one. That's the do. best. Right. So this, I'll, I'm going to ease into it and then work my way up to that <clears throat> moment where she just pitches out. Okay.
That's awesome. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're not going to, you're not going to hear a hen really let it, I, I don't know. I, I don't hear it as much as what I, I'm actually doing in the woods. I seem to hear it more or have heard it more where I had like farmland birds where you've got like right. 15 hens that are coming into the field. Yeah. You're more than likely going to catch two yeah. or three that do that. That do an actual And then the rest down. of them are just like you said, right. quiet or a few something. Right. So that's, and, and just so people understand, Pierce was facing me when he started that, that last bit of the, the fly down cackle. And literally turned almost 180 degrees as he was making that pretty quick. Um, a lot of times, too, I'll try to start up high and then drop, kind of drop down low. Like, I, I don't know if it makes, <laughs> I mean, you're only dropping six feet. So it's not like you're making that big of a difference. But I feel like the pitch variance. Sure. Kind of, it makes it flow a little bit better and sometimes i'll incorporate my hat a lot of times too with that yeah (laughs) all right that's a nice little tidbit and i and i i'm telling you every it seems like i'm about 50 50 with it sometimes i don't hit him fast enough and the next thing you know he gobbles on the ground and i'm like daggone it i missed my i missed my window now let me ask you this when you hit it right, how do you feel your percentage odds are that you're going to have an encounter with the bird, you know? It's, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a lot higher. I, I, for a long, long, like before that morning I hunted with Paul, my percentage odds off the, off the roost were awful. Okay. I mean, absolutely horrible. I never had any luck killing birds right off the limb, and I didn't know how. I didn't. I thought these guys must be setting up right underneath the roost tree, and they're flying down, shooting them immediately, uh, like as soon as they hit the ground. <laughs> but after that morning, I really I dove into it a little bit more, and those odds when you hit it before that bird hits the ground, like it's got to be timed up. Close, close. Oh yeah. You can't be doing a fly down as soon as as soon as the bird starts gobbling in the morning. You're, it's got to be right. right at that perfect time where he's getting ready to pitch off that limb, and you hit him, hit him with that fly down, and he goes, "Oh, that that hen just flew down," and he pitches out towards you. So but you're essentially forcing him to make a quick, a quick ill yeah, thought it's, it's decision. A, yeah, he's like he's leaning. I mean, I can see him up there leaning on the leaning on his. Uh, Roost limb, and, <laughs> and you hit him with that fly down, and he's, there he goes. You watch him getting, like, just a little more antsy right. on the limb. Yeah, swinging, that yeah. swinging back and forth, getting yep. ready to yep. to launch. But okay. uh, my odds went, I mean, they, they went up drastically when when I added that little, that little uh, step into the arsenal. It's worked for me, that's for sure. I haven't got to use it as much because I'm... You know, I think I'm a year or two into knowing that, but that's what I did with my Ohio bird last year, and um, I didn't get the bird to necessarily pitch my way because he was roosted right on a field's edge. He pitched down 
know, just away from me. So he probably went like, we'll say, 30 yards away from me by pitching down into the field. And then he came right in. Right. So that that's that's good stuff. Yeah. Now back to back to picking out a hen that they're responding to the most. Last year, I I I typically used strictly a mouth call, but I called in this hen. This hen, she sounded just like a just like a slate call. Like you're just hitting a like a one two cluck, like a. Okay. Sounded just like a slate call, though. It was like a high-pitched, and I, I couldn't mimic it on my mouth call. And I noticed this bird just, he, he was responding to her. But, I mean, I'm, I'm yelping real light with my mouth call, and he's not responding to me at all. I'm like, come on, man. I, I, like, <laughs> Don't disrespect like, me. Like I, here she is just doing a, she sounds like a slate call just... And I'm over here, and I'm I'm doing like <laughs> four or five Yelp sequence, a four or five Yelp sequence, and adding a few cuts and stuff in, trying to trying to entice him, and then I'm calling basically calling her in at the same time, and she's just coming up through there with with her little si- simple, <laughs> and he's gobbling at her. I'm like, what in the heck? Like what the heck? And the funny thing was, is I had actually found a trough call on that same WMA, and I, I kept like I I kept it because it was it was pretty cool. It was like, uh, it was cherry, I forget, uh, tombstone, uh, tombstone, tombstone, something like that. It, okay. It's a different, it's a different little call. Uh, I thought it was a neat. trough call. Yeah, it's like a trough call, so it's got like a slate. There's like a slate strip right down the middle of it, and then oh. it's hollow through okay. through the middle. I had it in my vest, and I was like, I was like, I know that sound. It sounds just like a sl- her. She sounds just like a slate. So I waited until she got out of the area, and she act. She didn't go towards that tom. She just kind of fed, fed in the, another direction, and I slid up right where she last was and I pulled out that slate call and I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not even, I've never even used this thing. I, I, I take my striker and I'm like, and he, he sounded off and I'm like, oh crap. So I just started in his direction and well on that slate call and boom, he hit again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, wow. Blew my mind. I was like, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? And, I, I set up on a tree, and sure enough, here he come, and he popped that head out around the tree, picked me off, and took and took off. I did. I blew the. It was a blown opportunity, but <sighs> I. I mean, he would come in to twenty, thirty yards looking for that hen, and all I'm doing is a simple, with a trot call, wow, on heavily, man. Pre, heavily, heavily pressured public land. I mean, it. My, that was that was probably one of the biggest eye openers last year was just pinpointing a hen that they're responding responding to and trying that's to really good trying, stuff trying to mimic exactly what they're doing and in that case it was simple I mean it was as simple as it sure God I mean all right 
I like that. Sometimes you can't overlook the you can't overlook the obvious and yeah. You just what's funny too is you're on heavily pressured public, and that bird was responding to another bird that sounds like a human, like somebody with a call more than you know right. an actual hen and that. I wish I could explain that. I mean, it's you're being pretty concerned. Like, she's being conservative with her calling. Yeah. And then you fall. I mean, I followed it right back up with the same conservative. Just, just simple. I mean, as simple as you can, as simple of notes as you can hit with any kind of turkey call i mean it it doesn't always have to be that crazy loud cutting loud yelping i mean my favorite thing to do especially if i'm practicing in the house i'm practicing as light as i can go yeah because guess what my wife's not pissed off (laughs) and i'm and i'm hitting the stuff that i'm actually going to be using in the woods yeah when that turkey's sub a hundred yards and you just got to get him to come that extra, that extra 40, 50, 60 yards. I mean, you're, you're just, it's, it's super, super light. And I'll throw, I might throw in like a, a couple excited yelps in the middle of it, just enough to really pique his interest. And if he throws out a double gobble, I might, a lot of times I'm, probably just going to shut up and start scratching in the leaves because I've peaked his at that point he's his interest is completely peaked and if I just shut up and start scratching in the leaves by god he's he's coming yeah if he's double gobbled he's you can almost guarantee that he's coming I agree that's something that I've learned uh before we started hunting together you'd hear that and it seemed like after that, oftentimes they'd, they'd shut up. And then, you know, a couple minutes, there's the redhead popping up. You know, like, hey, I'm on my way now. Okay, I get it. We're going to do this. This is going to be great. I'm on my way. Right. And then, you know, a few times I, you know, blew it and wanted to try to keep him gobbling and stuff. And then he's, he knows right where I'm at and picks me off easily but as I got wise to it I'm like ah you should shut up now right he's clearly excited shut up (laughs) something that I that I did miss on uh now when that goes the opposite direction off the limb (laughs) like a turkey pitches he pitches out away from you and he pitches in with a bunch of hens you've got two options at that point you fire a hen up that he's with that he's probably been breeding for the last week or a group of hens or whatever that he's with. He's probably been doing the same routine every day. So you're trying to get him to do something outside of that routine. Right. Is, I mean, if, if you didn't hit it perfectly when he was coming off the limb and he's already pitched down, it's like your odds just went to shit. Yep. I mean, now we're looking at spot and stock or yeah, getting a hen to come over here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's your only two options. Are the third options 
well, let's go find a satellite gobbler that wants to <laughs> wants to play. But yeah. if you've painted that scenario pretty perfect that morning, don't write that spot off. Absolutely. Don't write that spot off. If you can map the area out where you can make a big where you can make a pretty big circle or go so far and then decide that you're going to backtrack and go back to that spot later in the morning when that bird's closer to being done like breeding breeding his hens or the hens have went to the nest one or the other if you go back to that spot and make a call I don't I couldn't tell you how many birds I've killed doing that just going back to that spot letting out the same yelps that he heard that morning and all of a sudden he goes oh she's she's still there or you even you get them coming you catch them coming back or coming to check that area out yeah or you'll hear sometimes i've even heard them gobble in like around that area where i was earlier that morning and it's like it's almost like taking candy from a baby at that point because then he he's looking for you at that he's gobbling in that location looking for you at that point yep and you hit him with you hit him with the right yelps and boom here it's He's fired up. He doesn't have his hens anymore. Yeah. Here, here he comes. That magical, like, 10, 10, yeah, 30, 11. 10, yeah, that 10, 10, 30. Oh, man. That mid-morning, he's alone. All of his hens are gone for the day for the most part. Right. He's been alone for a little bit, and he's like, man, what am I going to do now? Those are... You get those birds fired up like that, which I think a lot of the times, you know, thinking back it's probably, you know, kind of a twofold. Yes, they're alone and everything, but how many times have you had a bird fire up that, you know, he's literally just what you said. He's coming back to check out where that other girl was. Right. You know, like he knew somebody else was over there. Where's she at? I had these. Well, let's go find her, right. and then you I've fire been doing, them up. I've been doing my routine with these set of hens. Yeah, but I, I heard a new I heard a new one over there this morning. Where, where I wonder where she went. Yeah, these girls are gone. I'm a, I'm gonna go find her, but right. Maybe I'll come I mean, back to you guys. <laughs> I it's happened too many times. I mean, it's happened way too many times to just say, oh, yeah, lucky coincidence. Right. I mean, they're. Granted, they're they're a bird. They've got the a brain the size. Uh, you hear me? I say that all the time. But it's like, man, it's a natural. It like their There's natural something instinct there. is to to breed and repopulate. So yep, it's it they it they can comp they can what am I trying to say? They can comprehend. I feel like to an to an extent they can comprehend that much. I agree. There's something, you can call it instinct, yeah. you can call it a, just a natural flowing reaction to things, whatever whatever it is. They don't seem that pea-brained when you start breaking certain things down because they're, I mean, you're telling me a turkey with the brain the size of a pea knows to roost on one secondary point, fly across the ravine to another secondary point, and then scream into a hub where the hens are, you know, down by the creeks and right. stuff, where it's thicker. Like, there's some kind of thought there, you know, or something. Whatever it is, 
it makes it sometimes easy and sometimes difficult. Right. <laughs> so th there seems to be consistency with the birds. It's just, it's not like a, you know, you can't pattern them to a trail, but there's certain things. I'm learning though, like we always talk about deer, well, you pattern them, pattern deer to a trail, but I don't know a lot of big bucks that get patterned to a trail. Like they generally have a lot fainter of a, right. of a trail. Like if you're talking about like in his bed, sure. But when he comes into the bean field, he's not like, oh, let's just go waltzing down the stove trail here. Like they do their own thing. So, but that is, that is the juice. So we've talked about our mid-morning are you, are you completely finished with your morning routine? Yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah, that pretty much pretty well covers it to basically 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to try to swing back through my first morning call scenario. Okay. Like I'm swinging back through that spot and seeing if I can catch that gobbler away from his hens at that point. Okay. And then... Sometimes I'm pushing towards where they, towards where they went, and okay. trying to make a move. But a lot of times, at that spot that you did your initial calling, it 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 happens. That's so weird. So when I went with Bob, we're sitting there calling, and the birds are responding, kinda, right. but more to the hens that they're with, right, and yep. then. We got bored, and I hadn't seen this farm, and it's a gorgeous farm. I'm like, I bet we could sneaky sneak through here and walk up on something. You want to go check it out? <laughs> right. Like, I'm five, and uh, he's like, yeah. yeah ADD he listens. kick. He, yeah, he <laughs> listens. This guy, you know, Full Captain ADD. Calm listens to the dumbass here. So <laughs> we go all the way to the back of the farm, and the, the back of the farm kind of loops around. And due to a ravine... You could hear that the birds were gobbling their asses off all the way to where they had crossed a gigantic ravine and were headed right to where we were sitting. And wouldn't you know that we hustled our butts off and as we round the corner, there's both birds right where we were sitting. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay. And, and he even said, he's like, it seems like birds end up in this general area, you know, later in the morning. They don't roost there, but it's how they traverse the farm. And now I think maybe it's because you're calling there <laughs> and then you're leaving and then coming back. And, right. and he said every time and, and I didn't listen. Right. And, and so now I just set up shop right there. I'm telling you, man, the, the more I turkey hunt, the more patience I get because because of little scenarios like that. That's like that the morning that I'm really thinking of, I, I went with my dad and we had started and I had painted the picture in this one spot. And in the back of my mind I knew I was like it's like, man, we're gonna come back here and we're gonna kill we're gonna kill these birds right here at ten, eleven o'clock. And we get through the morning turkey hunting and dad gets yeah, we're going. I'm I'm taking Crystal fishing uh, in a little bit. We have we had, at that point we hadn't gotten on anything, and 
we had went around the other side of his farm and tried trying to strike some birds and make our way back up to the house and it's like hmm it's like care if I run back down there without you if you're going fishing and he's like, oh no I don't care that bird was dead and flopping before they even left to go fishing <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome he heard the gun he heard the gunshot and called me he's like that didn't take long. <laughs> it's like, nope. Right where we had initially started, those birds can't. I mean, they come from a they come from a long ways off too. Which I mean, wasn't the same birds for sure that we had heard earlier that morning. Maybe, maybe not. But at the same rate, those birds probably heard that calling that morning. Yep. Regardless of if it was. The birds that I think it was versus the birds that came in. I mean, you set that, you paint that picture first thing in the morning like that, and think, oh, it, it's enough to pique their interest. Yeah, especially at a in a spot like a a high like a top third location where you're sat, like that sounds traveling a lot further than what you really think it is, and those turkeys can hear a lot further away than what you think they can. All right, so that makes sense too, because that's probably why they're up there on that upper third goblin, you know, in the hill right, country, right. goblin off of those uh, those secondary ridge points. Man, just when I think I can't learn anything about something, and I'm picking up all these. Oh, I'm pieces. learning. I mean, you you learn some. You're learning something. It's crazy new every year with with turkeys. Yep. And there's certain things that I I kind of want to confirm this year too let's if you want to share you can't give everything away for free but i'm interested right like certain day like certain weather where they're going to roost pertaining to what kind of weather came through oh all right what kind of winds what kind of wind and what kind of weather came through the the day before night before or like what led up, what kind of weather events led up to them roosting and where this, they are? Okay. In this spot. Why are they all piled in this one? Lo- like, if they're all piled in this one geographical location, are they, are they grouped, are they flocked up right now? Right. Or did they all roost in this one spot because they're all, they were all roosted out of the wind from, from the evening before? Okay. Certain, I mean, there's certain little, certain little things that I'm picking up on and I kind of want to kind of want to see it with your own yes, eyes. Yes. I, I want to experience it more to, to see it, to say whether or not, okay, there's actually something going on here versus I just saw something. Okay. That, yeah. that was just coincidental. All right. Yeah. I like it. So have you ever hunted birds in the evening much coming back to the roost? I have in the spot that I was actually just thinking of. Okay. And this much w- luck. Uh, it was a couple couple weeks, a uh, couple weeks in the season, and they came in goblin. I mean, really? Yeah, it was. Uh, I had taken a youth with me. Okay. I didn't actually. I don't think I had a tag. I don't think I had a tag. Okay. And 
these birds came in they came in and there was some confusion on just how far they were <laughs> they saw some movement there they went oh shoot 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 no shot just oh my god this isn't the videoed bird no okay no no, no. no this this one wasn't on video but i've got Love those boys to death. Zach and Grant, if you're listening, I love, I love you guys so much. <laughs> One brother is very cautious. The other brother is a little over-aggressive at times. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of them, you, got, you, almost, you almost have to yell at him to shoot. The other one, you're like, hold on, hold on, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it makes it fun. I'll tell you what, we've, shoot all the turkey hunts that oh yeah i've been on with those boys we the stories that come from those turkey hunts and the memories made i mean that's what it's all about absolutely you you had grant down down in tennessee last year in crocs man freaking yeah. rocking crocs <laughs> and two thousand foot plus mountains right yeah i mean and he didn't complain i mean he he didn't complain much for wearing crocs going straight straight up mountains and i'm like i'm like i don't know how this kid's doing this right <laughs> now but you talked about taking youth i know i've told you this story but i'll i'll just hint uh kind of briefly hit it here um i got permission or well i was introduced to a little boy uh, i think i was about 20 years old and this kid had all the property to hunt. I mean, he uh, you couldn't walk off the property. And one day we did, and he called the people for like two or three properties and just got permission. And I thought, dang, man, like, do you, do you really know all these people on that personal level that they just tell you, yeah, go on? He'd tell them that I was with them and everything. And really? We just, we got permission wherever we wanted, man. Yeah. I was like, damn, okay. I so, said, I mean, at that time, it was, it was a lot easier. Oh, way easier. This is uh, circa 2005. So we go out turkey hunting and, and I had multiple times where I had birds kind of, kind of patterned where there will be a bird here. If you sit here and do this. I'm going to go up here and do my thing or whatever, you know, so we'll cover more ground. And he just never saw turkeys, and I always wondered about it. So I said, all right, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, so I'm selfish too, right? So I said, all right, you know, I've got all this property. I need to get this kid a bird. I want to see this kid kill a bird. So I take him out. And I have got this turkey hammering on the roost he hits the ground and he's not shutting up and he's like sometimes i feel like i can just tell that a bird is like the boss bird the way he screams when he yeah. gobbles and stuff that the way he acts. rumble at the end of the gobble yeah and he just he owns the place it's just a different gobble and um I'm sitting here watching this Tom strut back and forth in front of us at like 45, 50 yards. So that probably means he was 100, 
with my yardage judging, but not really, but probably. <laughs> so this bird is in the open timber, strutting and gobbling, and he's around that 50 yard mark. We've got 12 gauges. We can kill birds that far. I said, well, he's not going to come down. You know, we were below him. And uh, this is when I was stupid. I was set up on a flat, and he pitched up above us and came down, but wasn't going to come down anymore. He could see. Right. So, and I'm, I'm not calling at this point. I said, well, I would say you should probably shoot him because he's not going to get any closer. And the kid's reply was, where is he? I said, what? You can't, like, we're in open timber. Right. I mean, this thing looks like a damn garbage can lid in front of us, strutting and screaming. He's not just goblin. He is screaming his head off. I said, you can't see that turkey right in front of you? I mean, he's right in front of us. No. And then the turkey just shuts up, folds up, and walks off. We never did get on him again, didn't get on another bird. On our way back, I said, and I'd taken him deer hunting too, and I'd ran deer right past this kid, and he never saw him. What the hell? Turns out he's legally blind, and nobody shit, mom, dad, him, no one shares this information with me. And they are of a religion. I want to say they were apostolic. They don't believe in medicine. They don't believe in glasses. They don't believe in a lot of stuff. They're cool with cell phones somehow. I have no idea like why certain technologies were cool, others yeah. weren't. So didn't really understand it. But I said something. I said, man, brother... If you're going to be out here in the woods with a shotgun and crossbows and all that, you should get some glasses or contacts. If you need help, let me know. Man, he went and told his mom, and she lit my ass up. And our relationship really wasn't the same after oh, that. I can imagine. Yeah. Not. I mean, let's use our heads here. and we can't <laughs> be giving kids weapons, and they can't see what they're aiming or shooting. Right. And he's obvious. I mean, he, at that point, he hasn't killed anything either. He has, which is which is probably a good thing because he doesn't know exactly what he's even would even be shooting at. Yeah. So that's crazy. He joined us on a deer drive like two years later, and we ran a buck. I mean, the buck. He shot the deer and sat there. He didn't walk up to the deer or anything. He shot the deer. It was like from here to the TV. Like it was. Like it had to be close. My TV's yeah. like eight, nine steps from yeah. where me and Pierce are, maybe ten. So and then, you know, not to like celebrate it or anything, his mom was diabetic and wouldn't do anything for it. And um she actually got gangrene in her foot and wouldn't go to the doctor and died. So oh pretty crazy. God. But I can tell you I'm not the best with reserving my emotions and keeping my mouth shut. So when this kid told me that he was blind, like legally blind, like I wear glasses and contacts at this point. I know how bad my vision is without them. His is worse. Holy shit. I right. couldn't believe it. 
Right. And then, of course, you know, I say something and his mom's like, we have a religion, you know, we have our own beliefs and just because you believe this. And I'm like, you, you sent your kid in the woods with me with a gun. Right. <laughs> Are you freaking crazy? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Right. So, but anyway, youth story from Chris Leppert's life, the tales. So I wanted to hit on a few things, kind of get your, your thoughts we have. A gentleman that's a pretty active member, real cool guy on the page, um, Jeremy Wood. Uh, he had some questions for us, so I'm going to read those to you and just kind of kind of get your, your thoughts, if you will. Um, so he asked, he's got a couple of them. So when hunting hill country with no fields, power lines, or food plots, where do gobblers like to go to dry out after a big rain? With absolutely zero fields or right anything. Which I agree. Like, where are we finding this? That's a big forest with no... Right. There's got to be a meadow. Right. Some, something. Something. Private. A lot of times it's private fields. Yeah. Or, cow pasture like little cow pastures mm-hmm. they they like to get in those open areas because of the rainfall and stuff it just affects their ears differently than what yeah than what they do ours and they're very susceptible to predators at that point too because the, the forest floors quiet sure and that makes sense i'd also think like I think it's perfectly. I mean, they have they they. I would I would imagine in a scenario like that they would have to get up on that top, like top third bench and yep. just be in a position where they could pitch off it, pitch off anywhere any direction they really wanted to to get away from, yeah. from danger. I would say and probably they could see a long ways. You think like a like a east facing hillside, early morning, to dry off. I mean, possibly. Sun hitting it pretty right. good early on, warming them up and drying them off. Um, the other thing, maybe some old tractor paths, logging, yeah, roads, logging roads, stuff like that. Yeah, some maybe a part of the canopy that I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one because yeah. we. You don't run it like where we're, I mean, where we're hunting, it's. Yeah. There's pretty much a field anywhere, a field cow pasture. Somewhere. You're going to have a field somewhere. Yeah. We're not used to woods that big. No. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever been anywhere where I've encountered that. I can't think of a place I've yeah, hunted. I mean, you even got clear, like big clear cuts with like yeah. open logging path like yeah the logging path path there landings and stuff like that i mean i'd say that'd be that'd probably be your ticket especially man talking about a gorgeous spot a freaking logging road going right through the middle of a clear cut right jeezel um he also things to think of yeah well, I've got one marked right. for us. Right. <laughs> it's where I found that chewed up shit. Yeah. Me and Josh walked up the hill and I was like, oh my God, you get hens nesting in this and it's over. So he also asked, 
if going in early to set up on a roosted bird and there's no option other than using a headlamp to slip in quietly, is a dim light white white light better than like a green or a red? Or how do you approach that? I mean, if you know exactly where they're roosted, you just have you have got to keep that light out of their what their sight would be. I think if you go in super super early, you're probably less likely. But honestly, my eyes are super good in the dark yeah. for whatever reason, and I never really use a headlamp ever. Yeah, hardly I'll, ever. I'll so, use one on the way in, maybe. Yeah. But once you get close, turn it off, let your eyes adjust. Right. And just go super slow. And right, again, like yeah. Like you said, take go time. in early. Yeah, take your time, get in there super early. And But, I mean, it, depending on what, what part of the country. He's in Georgia, right? Yeah, he's in Georgia. Yeah. I was going to say. Depending Georgia. On, depending on what where you're at in the country, you probably want to like. <laughs> yeah. Depending on yeah. what you're... <laughs> walk off the edge of yeah. a cliff. Yeah, walk off the edge of a cliff. Or if you're out in Colorado hunting uh, hunting turkeys out in Colorado, you probably don't want to be just meandering through the dark with... Mountain with, lions. With no and light and mountain lions and everything else out there. But And then his last one. So, yeah, I would agree... Uh, for the most part, it's got to be pretty, if I've been there before too, I feel extremely confident that right. I can walk right in. Now, right. if we're new and let's say it's like a new moon or something, like there's no yeah, dark, no dark, light, yeah. like it's for realsies dark, then I'm going to headlamp it. And, right, as and, dim as, dim as yeah. possible. And then, at, you know, we get that last couple hundred yards, turn it off, sit there for a minute, let your eyes adjust as best as possible. And just take baby steps the whole right. way. And then, you know, pay attention to your app Easy and everything. To it, yeah. But the, the key to life is getting in there early. If you've got him roosted, dude, get in there. Get in there at 4.30 in the morning and take a nap right. at your tree. Oh, that's, the, that's my favorite. <laughs> like, that's, that's the best. That's my favorite thing to do, especially if you're the first one in the parking lot. It's yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I've established dominance. <laughs> I am the one. <laughs> like, and I'm going to... And then I, if I see any lights even remotely coming close to my direction, I'm going to start hooting like an idiot. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, that's definitely a guy. Like, I'm not giving a real, like, a my my hoot that's closest <laughs> to the real thing. I'm giving, like, a hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo like that just to let them know, like, someone's over there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to go in there. Yeah, every once in a while you run into somebody that eh, I I haven't yet. Knock on <sighs> knock on wood. I hope I don't because right. It's like, come on, man. It's pro. It's just proper etiquette, right? To not go trampling right right on. Well, I say that, but one year we were hunting. We were hunting uh, the one place. Yeah. That me and you hunted last year. Okay. You killed your bird. Okay. This has been years and years ago. Hell, I think it was the first year me and Bethany were together. So that's been eight years ago. Back in the day when I met Back my wife. Back in my day. <laughs> uh, eight years ago. We did. We had a bird gobble and here came these two guys just trampling. 
tramp one right up the trail and knock this bird off the roost. And we're like, what are you doing? They're like, he's like, what, man? It was just a hen. It was a long beard. He was goblin. He's like, it didn't have a beard one on it. And we're like, yes, it did. Like, uh, and at that time, we're younger, too, so we're, like, full of testosterone. Full of testosterone, and, like, you just ruined our, like... They'll never find you. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're pissed. Like, we're like, are you kidding me? Like, why would you do that? <sighs> I mean, at this, if, if something like that happened now, I'd, I would think it, but I, I probably wouldn't voice it as much as what we did then, but at the same rate, it's like... Let's use some common sense here. Like, sure. If there's a bird goblin, we're not going to go walking right underneath the limb and knock it off the roost. Right. Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah. That, I, 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 I said that I never had that happen, and then I was like, hold on a second. Yeah, it was that, that, that one happen. son of a bitch. Yeah. Still remember their names. That. Come on, Trevor. Let's go. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I, yeah, there, there's certain little things that my my brain just doesn't, I remember, doesn't forget. I remember driving three hours to meet Luke with Josh, and we climbed that giant hill. We we walked forever to get to the top of that thing, and we were there. We were there for like an hour before the sun was even starting to come up, and I don't know, probably 15 minutes or so before the stun, sun started poking. We see these lights, and I'm, like, when I say we see the lights, we see the lights, like, over a thousand yards away. They're literally at the top of the hill on the other side of the ravine. And we shine our lights there to let them know that we're here. Right. And we just see those lights keep trucking towards us and trucking towards us, and we're trying. And they came up, and by that time, I was not in the greatest of moods and uh you know we were talking to him and i just lost it i i was like that's awful nice of you to walk all the way up here when we clearly showed you that we were standing here and then you know things escalated but it was oh so back on track here um jeremy's last question so um they say turkeys can see uv light is it true that they see the UV in your clothes if you don't use non-UV brightening detergents? What's your thoughts on that? I have no idea. Yeah. That's a good question. I think I would have to agree with you. I know that, so, what I've seen on a lot of these nature shows that I watched, and I actually watched one that was all on color and how different animals in the world perceive color compared to a human. It's actually crazy i'll have to give you the series and yeah you watch it because it's Pretty you you think about some things when you watch right. it right they use special cameras to film it and everything so i know well i don't know according to the scientists you know the the biologists and all that um these bigger birds birds in general but i think birds of prey and turkeys fall into this category can see a scent trail. So where a dog or a deer smells where you walked, they can see the bacteria that the light that your the bacteria is putting off where you walked. 
where you've left your scent trail and all that. Like, essentially, I think a lot of it's caused by, like, urine and stuff like yeah. that, dander, whatever. Um, so they can see that. So I think that explains oftentimes why that turkey pops up over the hill and he looks like you threw a damn cinder block at him where he's just like, oh, shit, and takes mm-hmm. off. Um, I don't know that you can control that, how to control it, whatever, maybe more showers or something, I don't know. Right. Like, I really don't understand it enough, but I think there is something to it. Because, um, you know, my experiences, and I think a lot of others, line up with what those guys are saying. And then it would make sense, because that's how, when you think about a vulture, they don't smell dead deer and stuff. Right. They see it. And that's how they pick that up. So thicker cover. I mean, right. Yeah. Set up in some thicker cover and yeah. Or even those little, uh, stake out blinds aren't, aren't horrible. Yeah. Those are nice. Yeah. Those aren't bad. Uh, those are great for being able to just move, like grab your gun or move your legs. This is something I don't know that we hit on much, but like, Pitching your calls off over your shoulder, off the one side or the other, so the turkey's not coming in and looking directly at where you're set up. He's kind of looking in a off direction, maybe. That's what you did when I killed my bird. Oh, it's why like, I killed my bird. It seems like every time I have my head turned, one pops up, and I'm like stuck with my head turned, or I, I'm videoing. And you see the birds pop up, and then my head, like, turns back around, and they see me. And they're like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> take off. Or I'm, I know it happened once when I was calling for you, and I, I didn't have a tag. And I, I've got my head tur- turned away from them calling, and the next thing you know, I turn my head back around, and pop, pop, pop. it's like, man. Oh, nice. Hey, yeah. timed up. T- <laughs> Timed up perfect where you guys came in and my head was turned. Right. That was that was a cool call in. And I'm glad you had your head turned so I got that to was, shoot. <laughs> that was super pa- I mean, every year I get a little bit more patient with in letting the scenarios play out. And to a newcomer, I mean, that patience is, is everything. Especially if you're not a very good caller. Yeah. If you... If you can be patient, you'll kill more birds being patient than yeah. what you will by running through the woods with a mouth call and yeah, 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 and just or check, 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 check. Like that, a lot of using a mouth call, it's like you've got to come in with that real soft, soft edge. Yep. Is what I, I mean, at top end, like the top end of the call where it's really, it's lighter and you come in real light and yep. Like it, it's kind of it's hard to explain, but a lot of guys they kind of come into it with like a a harder edge, like a chop 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 chop. Sure. And it's the More real sharp. Yeah, yeah, it's like the the realism just isn't it isn't there because like a like with a box call, it's some some hens with that that box call. It sounds spot on. I mean, yeah. certain hens you're you're like. You're like, man, that guy sounds, he sounds pretty decent. Like, 
depending on what you're used to hearing, like five years ago, I'd be like, God, that's it. that guy sounds awful on a box call. Now I'm like, I'm like, man, that end, that end sound, she sounds awesome. Like, it's funny how your mind shifts to when you're really starting to pick up on the real thing where you're like, man, that end sounds awesome. Like she, cause she's just so, so hit or miss. Like it's, it's not perfect. It's just so choppy that it's like, you're like, man, she's unique. The the thing that I think catches my attention the most, I I really, I guess, could say first started paying attention to this when I saw you call that day, first time we hunted, is where you like break things up with uh, I don't I don't really know how to describe it, but essentially, you like cut off your own yelps right. with a cluck. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, but kind of. And right, you kind of bust it up and change up your sequence to where it's you're not saying you're not doing the same thing every time to where it just sounds repetitive and sounds like a hunter. And then, all the hens that we right. struck up, what are they doing? Same thing. Right. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, they're. I mean, if you pay attention enough, they're they're not saying the same thing they're not doing the same five six yelp sequence over and over and over and yeah. over and over again they're they're definitely <clears throat> busting it up a little a little bit and you'll you'll even hear them in the middle of the sequence you can hear like that uh more grat like sometimes they'll stretch their yelps out or they'll get a little bit yeah. more of a gravelly sound or uh the the exact word that I'm looking for is kind of slipping my mind right now. Let's see, gravelly. So like, uh, a... like I'm using my call different inflections. Okay. And in the in okay. the call, like you can hear it pick pick up louder in the middle and then taper taper off. And yeah. Like a lot of times when you hear those inflections really pick up in the middle, that's when that got that Tom. Boom. He. That's when he sounds off. Yep. It's like then, you you you're testing the waters when you're calling and you're like, you start out real real soft and then start amping up, amping up, amping up, bringing it back down. He has he didn't hit to it. Then you you do it again and you get a little bit louder and you're kind of testing it testing his temperature, essentially. Yep. Now the other thing I've picked up from you, last couple years that you mentioned. Is the the deep sort of vibration sound in your chest? Yeah, the when you make that the call thump. Yeah, it's almost like like a, I guess not quite drumming, but right. It's <clears throat> it's kind of hard to explain. We need I, like a vocabulary actually, professor sitting here. I with picked. Us. It, I I I got a chance to hunt with Paul last year, and I picked I picked up that he was he had that thump that that thumping going on too like with this calling like it's basically your diaphragm just when you're at the end of that yelp it's like a thump, thump, yeah thump. like you can hear it in the back like in the back of your throat when like when you're with someone else you can definitely you pick up on it and you're like yeah like oh, that's that's neat and kind of helps you keep in rhythm too like with your sure. with your yelping and making sure that air is actually coming out of your diaphragm and you're not just pushing 
yeah pushing air like blowing air which i can blow like i can push air and do my cutting and stuff like that you kind of have to you have to do that with with that it's not that air is not necessarily from your diaphragm. It's more of like a like that, and it's not that. It, that's not really necessarily coming from down deep in yeah. your diaphragm. Now your yelps, your it's like you're trying. You're trying to. I mean, I've I've watched plenty of the YouTube videos and stuff like that where they're like you're trying to fall, like you're trying to fall the mirrors up on a car yeah. or something like yeah. that. That's, that's where, a damn good way that's to put it. That's where that that air's really coming from is down deep like a That is the best way you could ever put that. Yeah. That is cra- that's weird. Yeah, that's I'll, like I'll our conversation earlier. <laughs> credit to Scott. I think it was Scott Ellison that I saw that video. That's the Woodhaven guy. You see the yeah. Woodhaven the Woodhaven advertisements every spring and he's the one that's doing all the different call demonstrations with the different calls and stuff he's he's, he's a freaking turkey calling machine oh yeah he is wow but, that is probably the best way i've ever heard that put do you have anything else from your notes that you needed to hit on uh, no i mean as far as beginner stuff i would i would say basically master one particular call and I mean, whether that be a slate call, a box call, push button, or a mouth call, and then basically practice light calling as light as you can go, because the loud—I mean, the loud stuff—isn't necessarily the most important stuff either. Because more than likely, if you're going super loud, you're just making turkeys shock gobble. Which, I agree. I mean, it's fall, basically false hope at that point. You're, <laughs> you're, you're hearing them gobbling. You're, you're getting more excited and you're calling. It's getting even louder. <laughs> and you don't know it, but you're actually, you're you're just getting the shot gobble and you're pro- there's probably a part of them that they're like, oh my God, what is that? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it, like, we've all been there too. Oh yeah. Like, I remember being... Just a little dude, and just yuck, 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 yuck. like just really, I mean, just screaming on a call, and yeah, they're gobbling, but they sure aren't coming in. Oh yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna kill Josh and Rick using good woodsmanship and stuff, uh, using woodsmanship to your advantage, and setting up where turkeys want to be. You're going to kill more turkeys by setting up where turkeys want to be and where they are, reading the sign, and then being able to hit a little push, even a little push button, just a simple, just like I was talking about earlier with that, with the hen that the Tom was responding to. I mean, he was responding to a simple little one, two cluck of. And he hammered every time to it. I mean, it doesn't have to be... it. You don't have to be the world's greatest caller to call in a turkey. Yeah. I mean, if you keep, you just keep it simple and you position yourself in those key places where they want to be, where you're finding scratching, you're finding 
you're finding tracks and you're finding all the right things, I mean, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to set up. It doesn't matter how good of a caller you are at that point if you just know when when to when to let out that little cluck and when not to let out that little cluck. Know when to talk and when to shut the hell up. Yep. <laughs> so Darren Merkel asked, we kind of went over part of his question, which was the best scouting tips and methods. Um, he said, do you shock birds while scouting or roosting? If so, what calls do you prefer to use? Um, so I'll let you, I'll let you go and then we'll, we'll go back and forth on that for a second. My preferred calls, just a hoot owl, because I love messing with the hoot owls and getting the hoot owls fired up and coming in. It's <laughs> the best. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite things of hunting, hunting turkeys, period, is just getting <laughs> hoot owls riled up. But, uh, I mean, sometimes I like to just talk to the hoot owls more than I do <laughs> to, to get the turkeys fired, uh, to get turkeys to, to strike. I mean... You might catch me hooting at owls in the middle of, middle of summer. If I if I go walking outside and it doesn't really matter what time of the year the year is, if I hear an owl, I'm I'm you can guarantee I'm hooting back at him and starting a conversation. But absolutely, there's nothing better. I how many times have we sat there hooting at owls only to have a pair come in and check us out? Was that? That was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, when we were roosting those yeah. same birds that we ended up, yeah. Yep, that was so cool. We got these birds, and I'll say this. So, Pierce has the more realistic hoot owl call that I've heard, you know, like a natural one. We don't use, um, you know, the tubes and all that. Very often, anyway. And mine doesn't sound as realistic but i think the thing i have going for me is that i'm a loud ass german and i've just put a lot behind it and it seems to shock them really well but we were out there doing our thing and all of a sudden the the resident hoot owls were not thrilled (laughs) they came in and checked our ass out and they were i mean they roosted right above us they they hit the limbs right above us and we're talking and I really can't explain that part because they have amazing vision, amazing hearing, and they're right in front of us, and we're hooting, and they're hooting. Well, I mean, no one's blasting, no one's (laughs) sky-busting owls either, so I mean, it's not like... (laughs) I guess that's true. Yeah, it's not like like they're getting getting (laughs) any kind of pressure. They're probably like, let's go check out these idiots. Let's see... Let's see what. Let's see what these are. Get out, babe! Look at that. <laughs> Look at this guy. Oh. He, the one guy, he, he kind of sounds like an owl. Yeah, like, kind of sounds like an owl, but not really. That other guy, he's like, I think he's like part crow and owl. <laughs> the nasty. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll it's have funny to. how those different frequencies work, though. Like. Yeah. And. Uh, Shoot, I, I've hunted with many different people over the years, and I, some guys use like different uh, woodpecker calls yeah. that 
by God, every time, freaking hammer really? to a woodpecker call, or, I mean, they've got a list on the mediator of the things that turkeys, they've had turkeys respond to. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's a funny list, like. I think one of them was puking one time. The turkey got turkey gobbled at the sound of someone <laughs> puking. Like their car doors, whatever. I mean, you Dude. you never know with a turkey what exactly they're going to gobble at. But you hit that right frequency, and by God, they're going to gobble. It's crazy how it can be a different sound, but there has to be something to that sudden frequency, right? Because so hunting with Jeff Dennis and he's like yeah when I got here I shut my my truck door and a turkey gobbled so I went out there and did the nasty for those of you that don't know the nasty is my natural crow call it's decent it's nothing gobbled it's freaking good nothing gobbled and I said Jeff you're stupid there's no turkeys here (laughs) (laughs) so we walk however many miles right come back and I'll be damned if I don't shut my truck door, put my gun up or something, whatever it was. Yeah. And that son of a bitch gobbled from like 250 yards away. And I was like, oh my God, I feel terrible right now. He was there the whole time. <laughs> and we actually ended up, well, Jeff didn't, Jeff was not prepared. Uh, the gobble, um, kept going on we kept being able to make him gobble he was on the roost what had Mm -hmm. happened was he had been on top of a ridge and he literally pitched off below the ridge it's like a sheer cliff and he just pitched off like 10 feet below so we're like less than 20 yards from this bird but we can't see it anywhere and finally and of course he's pitching shit off in every Mm -hmm. direction but this is a roosted bird you know you know not long before we're not allowed to turkey hunt. And I said, Jeff, he's roosted right there. Like I, That's the only other explanation. Right. Walk up there and be ready. When he flies, shoot him. Don't shoot him on the damn limb. Right. <laughs> it was overwhelming and he didn't get a shot. Oh, but I mean, that. It, yeah. it, it the would, B-1 bomber takes I'm, off. I'm not the person for that. Excite like the, the wing shooting. Yeah, yeah, no, not not me. Yeah, it's it's very tough. And yeah. then when you haven't had the B one bomber take off, the Apache helicopter oh, comes out of the trees. Right. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to sh- shoot one in mid like mid dive or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we've I've done a coyote. How I've done. I'm not as good as Aaron Warbritton. I got a long way to go, but I've been working on my screech. Yeah. And then obviously the crow and the hoot. Um, One thing that I like to do that you're able to get stupid loud with is a peacock. Yeah. I don't know if you've done that before. Uh -uh. No, I haven't, but I've heard of guys doing that. That one, because a bunch of people have them on farms and stuff. That's probably, you know, the best advice we have as far as, you know, shocking and locating birds. And like Pierce said... You hit that right frequency, you're probably going to get them to talk. And then when all else fails, if you know they're there, just scream louder. <laughs> right. That's what we do. So, um, well, I think we're going to go ahead and close this thing out. Um, 
Pierce, super grateful to be able to chat turkeys with you. Appreciate your time. It's been a couple, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or so now in the making of yeah. trying, <laughs> trying yeah. to make it over. We've, we've tried to do this quite a bit, and now we finally made it happen. And uh, when Pierce gets home at like 6 million o'clock a.m., uh, and his wife wants to kill him, uh, you can you can blame it on us. So, um, well, guys, thanks for tuning in. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors, and I've been joined by Pierce Moore. Thanks so much, and have a great day. Wear your Sawyer spray. Oh, my God. <laughs> P.S. Spray your clothes with the Sawyer spray. Yeah, I agree. All right, see you.